again. It's actually New Year's Day. Is it New Year's Day, guys? No, it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve still here in the USA. In the background, you're hearing my two daughters, who I keep uh, away from the podcast normally and ask them to be quiet in the house, and they get frustrated probably and waiting for their daddy to stop podcasting. But they're here live, and I just wanted to introduce them to everybody because they're a big part of my life. And so here we go. This is uh, Eliane McDonald, and she is in college. She's 19 years of age, and she's been an Arsenal fan pretty much her whole life. So I've got a question for you, special guest. Yes. Okay, so uh, give us your general impression of Arsenal this season compared to your experience in the past. Right. So obviously most of my life we haven't performed very well. And in recent years, you know, we've had a lot of trouble finishing even in the top 10 sometimes and especially in the top four. So just seeing us at the top of the league has just been kind of surreal. And I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't really feel real. So I hope we can go um, all the way, as they say, I guess, and win the league this year. Yeah, yeah, and we might get to go to London, we're hoping, yes. to go to go watch Arsenal play against Paris. Crystal Palace, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And Livy, you're not coming to that game because you don't care about football. <laughs> no, I'm not, but I did get the accent. <laughs> good try, good try. Come on, American girl. Tell us how you really feel about the football. Um, so I didn't even know we were top of the league. Um, <laughs> but yeah, glad, glad you like it, Dad. Yeah, well, Livy Lee doesn't care about football, but she does care about her cat. And so I'm going to let you two guys go upstairs and and play with the cat whilst I carry on podcasting. (laughs) But thank you, special guests. Yes, thank you for having us. All right, back to the footy now. So, okay, Arsenal beat Brighton. Sliding doors moment. Hmm, Uh, this might sound goofy, but um, I think that Arsenal... The way they started, we're always going to score the first goal. And I wasn't surprised by that. And perhaps, of course, that's always the moment in the game where the game could swing left or right. But I really thought that the Matoma offside decision was probably the most pivotal moment in the game because they had momentum and we were under pressure, started to panic, which is... Odd for Arsenal this season. And that decision, if I was a Brighton fan, my goodness. I understand why it was given and I was super happy, of course. But, I mean, they've got to change the rule. If that's offside, he's not trying to gain any advantage, is he? He's just running back onside. And just because he wears size 9 boots instead of size 7, he's offside. So, I thought that swung it. And, of course... Brighton going from a high, thinking that they've got a chance of a potential equaliser in a game that they really had no business drawing Arsenal to being utterly gutted and only having, what it was, another five minutes left. And they were two goals behind. I think that really swung the game um, and the momentum back in our favour. What a huge call that was. And I suppose I'm grateful, but I feel frustrated for them. Um, Maybe I'm too nice. Maybe that's what it is. Who knows? Anyway, um, okay, let's talk about something that's a positive, I think. Very positive. The last few games, I think it's the last, let's see, one, two, three, four goals, the three at the Emirates and the one, the first one against um, Brighton, 
have all been scored by an Arsenal player tackling an opponent and then us transitioning in broken play, creating and scoring. Okay, lots of ways to score goals. And a typical Arsenal goal, you would say, comes from patient, um, maybe somewhat pedestrian passing, accelerated at some point during the move, whether it's in the final third or the last uh, two passes, one pass, but not really necessarily from tackling, transitioning quickly and showing some ruthlessness, which Arsenal have honestly lacked. And so another improvement, another one. That tackle from Thomas Partey today on the first goal against Lamptey, who's a whippet, was a fabulously timed tackle and obviously set the tone for the game. Now, I might have missed other pivotal tackles in the game. I just wanted to make the point that one way. But, you know, you can't discount that. And I think that's something that I would imagine Arteta has not just spoken to the players about. But, you know, in this modern game, when everyone's so much more organised than they were, you know, 10 years ago, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago, for sure... It's just harder to break teams down. So if you can win the ball back um, and create this broken play where players are out of position and maybe they're in advance of the play, um, then your opportunities are going to be so much easier. Uh, The other one that I've noticed is how many duels Arsenal winning. And then if you listen to the players of all the, you know, uh, media-friendly, boring nonsense that they spout out, which is what they need to do, I suppose, and not be controversial. You'll hear Arsenal players more than any other topic, I think, talk about duels and winning duels and the importance of it. And so I think that's a second positive. It wasn't quite as prevalent necessarily in this game, but I haven't spoken about uh, this much this season. But we are far more competitive in the duels and winning the majority of them I think is is fair um there's games that we've won I think because uh the opportunities were stacked in our favor considerably because again we won a duel won a tackle transitioned created and 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 pressed repeat again so these are two things that never make the newspapers um but if you search and dig and pay super attention, you'll, you'll notice, and those people that follow the statisticians, that's, I'm not very good at saying that word, they'll, uh, they'll know that uh, these guys will talk about this stuff, and it doesn't need to be brushed over, it's important. Um, okay, so there's that. The, the thing I would think Arsenal need to improve on, having watched that game, this isn't a, a general statement for everybody, and it's certainly not at, um, at all times, but uh, Tierney, I noticed, um, of course, when he came on late in the game. And I also noticed Tomiyasu. Um, and there was one other. Um, but those two in particular seemed to be defending at times with flat feet, one-on-one. You should never, at any point, one-on-one, one-on-two, whatever it may be, ever defend with your feet frozen. Because... Most dribblers uh, will react 
or are reactive and wait for a defender to freeze or step the wrong way or come at the ball. And that's what they're waiting for in order for them to make a move. Very few are proactive. Very few. So it is so important that as a defender, you don't freeze. And I remember, um, I forget the guy's name, but one of their substitutes who came on and got a yellow card for diving beat Tierney on his uh, inside and was, if he wouldn't have dove, he was in, in the box in a very dangerous position. Um, But Tierney was flat-footed just for a split second, then he did it again. And normally Tierney's pretty good at blocking the crosses and there were too many crosses coming in from his side. And I think, again, it was he was just a little flat-footed. And Tommy Yasu looked very rusty positionally. And again, one-on-one defending, he's the best in the club normally. Um, in fact, I've stated before, I think he's the best defender, pure defender in the club. Not on the back of that performance, of course, but on previous. So just something to keep an eye out for and hope we can see some improvement in. Um, so there's that. And... So moving forward to where we're going to be, um, the Mudrik saga continues, praying that that one comes through for many reasons, but uh, falling in love with that player, no doubt about it. Uh, The striker option is something that I'm not going to let go of. I know many people feel like we have enough and they don't want to hamper Jesus when he comes back. I don't think anyone would hamper Jesus uh, when he comes back because he brings so much to this team. But I was watching the last 20 minutes of the game yesterday and watching Eddie fade and his enthusiasm, I think, having played his second 90 in a row, legs probably very heavy, ideally needed a sub. And of course, we could have moved Martinelli central and brought on maybe Marquinhos. Not sure Arteta wanted to do that. Not sure he trusts Marquinhos in a game that's going the other way. And so we need another option. And I'm not saying it has to be a signing necessarily. There's, of course, the Balogun uh, thought that, would, of all the things I've said over the last few weeks, that actually would probably be ideal. He's on fire. Um, and he would get opportunities. There's the FA Cup, there's Europa coming up, there's substitute opportunities like Eddie was getting 20 minutes most games, Balakan could get that. And um, so there's that option. There's the Smith Rowe, false nine uh, option. There's the Smith Rowe, perhaps going back to the left wing, moving Martinelli to centre forward. Um, and of course there's the signing option, which I've got a feeling Arsenal may go for. Uh, The Jao Felix um, or Ferran Torres talk, I think, are probably the most realistic. Uh, I think that both of them would be options that I personally would would be fine with as long as uh, the Ferran Torres fee is not 43 million, like I've been hearing. I think that that's that's nonsense considering... He doesn't play hardly a minute for Barcelona. Um, but he started for Spain in the World Cup the first game or two. He's an Arteta-like player as far as his ability to play anywhere across the front line, and so is Jao Felix. So both of those guys, if you would have 
had that option on the bench today would say that those two, ideally on loan, either of them, would be a real breather for the fan base to not have to worry about Eddie playing 90 minutes of every single game until Jesus comes back, because that's not happening, is it? Um, And then moving on to Smith-Rowe, I'm super interested as to what's going to happen there. I do wonder where the trust is, if there is still trust, because of his injury record. And so we'll see when he comes back. I suppose it'll be all determined by the proof being in the pudding, whether he can stay on the field, whether he can regain his form. But with all the talk of a winger coming in, I'm thinking that Smith-Rowe is going to move to being uh, one of the attacking midfielders. There's the option to move Odegaard to the left. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, moving him into the Xhaka position and then moving, having Smith-Rowe and Xhaka um, alternate on the other side. Of course, you could just leave it as is, which I think is more likely. Odegaard, and it would be Vieira um, rotating uh, on the right side of the attacking midfield. And then Xhaka and Smith-Rowe on the left. I think that's more likely uh, what we're going to see. Maybe Smith-Rowe is going to end up being um, what Vieira has been this season. Uh, the f- flexible play in three or four different positions wherever the team needs. But um, we need him back. And I'd imagine he's going to play against Oxford United to start with. Uh, so, and that's a good first game back for him, less pressure uh, and it'd be wonderful for him to kick on from there. So we'll see. But in the long term, that's a really interesting discussion as to where Smith-Rowe is going to end up as a footballer in general, whether it be at Arsenal or elsewhere. I sure hope it's at Arsenal. But before all of this winger talk at Arsenal, there was uh, thoughts out there that he would be a better as an eight. Um, he would be, if you can imagine, uh, Alex Awobi who me and others said for many years was being played in the wrong position by Arsenal, by Arsene Wenger, and then he goes to Everton, gets played more as a central midfielder or more of an eight, and he was a ball carrier predominantly, is a ball carrier. Well, that's what Smith Rowe is too. He's a ball carrier, but got far more product in the final third than Alex Awobi. And so I think that's the best of him. Even though, being such a good footballer, he can play on the wing also, I think the best of him would be a completely different type of player um, to Xhaka as a left eight. And I'm not sure how Arteta would tweak it so he could pick the ball up in deeper positions facing the goal rather than Xhaka, who often picks it up, uh, first touch back to goal. But we'll see. Um, Fine player. Super excited that he's coming back. Um, So let's all look forward to that one. And finally... And finally and finally, I just wanted to say Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, I'll be back uh, after the game against Newcastle and I'm believing for good things. Again, uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if, be it the Newcastle game or a game coming up uh, sooner rather than later, that somebody's going to get an absolute whooping from Arsenal. Uh, Whether they're a big team, small team, I don't think it's going to matter. There's going to be a day that comes that all of this uh, wonderful football and creating chances and better goal scoring and lots of players' goal scoring is going to come together all on one day and we're going to be more ruthless 
And so here's a little sneaky tip. I'm wondering if that's going to happen against Newcastle, even though they're doing very well themselves. There you go. That's it from me. Happy New Year to everybody. Cheers. Ooh.